live from the Oxygen Community Studios. Happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. The Arizona Cardinals will be back on the practice field tomorrow. And I imagine we will get at least some sort of an update in terms of who practiced, who didn't, who's available, who's not. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals went into that game against San Francisco with a bunch of injuries. They came out of that game with even more injuries. We don't know Kyler's status. We don't know Hop's status. Not that he usually practices on a Wednesday anyway. We'll start to get some answers tomorrow, Gambo, about who's available. But I would imagine... It's going to be touch and go for a lot of guys this week for the Cardinals going into the Yeah, they're dinged up, right? They're dinged up. They've got a bunch of guys that are dinged up. That mini-buy was definitely a break. Look, I don't know. They made the right decision, right? You you hold Kyler out. You hold AJ out. You hold... Um, uh, the D hop out. You hold all these guys out, and your your goal is to okay. Can you win this game against San Francisco without them? You could, and now you got the Carolina game. And if guys are still dinged up, you might feel like okay, we we could do that again. You're getting closer and closer to your regular buy, which is in a couple of weeks. Yeah. After this game, you got a couple of weeks, and then you get that buy, and that'll be a big deal. Guys could get two weeks, and that having that buy late is going to be a blessing for them because they're all going to need it. Um, but you know, you you just worry about every single game because it just does seem like every single week you just can't avoid you can't avoid the injuries. Yeah, and Cliff said something about that yesterday. Quote: We don't even allow ourselves to talk that way as coaches. You look around the league; everyone's dealing with it. It's a battle of attrition. Once you hit the second part of the season, and what you got is what you got. You just have to find a way. Close quote. So we look for guys like. Kyler, what, if anything, can he do? Hop, what, if anything, can he do? A.J. Green, has he cleared COVID protocols yet? And if he hasn't, then what? The long snapper's going to be out a couple of weeks. Aaron Brewer, Max Garcia re-aggravated his Achilles. I imagine he's going to miss some time. Justin Pugh's day-to-day with a calf. Of course, you have the whole running back situation. And through it all, what you have, and despite the losses suffered on that side of the ball as well with Chandler Jones, uh, missing a couple games, J.J. Watt obviously out for what we think the rest of the season. You've got a defense that, man, I know most of the star power is on the offensive side of the Cardinals. I know if you're going to flash a commercial tomorrow saying, hey, watch the Cardinals game this weekend, that commercial is going to be centered around Kyler and Hop. I get all that. This defense is playing at such a high level right now. I, I mean, the numbers, we just again and again and again and again with the numbers that they're putting up, that has been Kyler's the star. But if you want to talk about the reason why the Cardinals are eight and one, it's this defense, man. It's the, it's the way this defense has consistently balled out since week one. I think I would put it as the number one reason. Now, some people might just go with the offense because look, it's hard to score. Th- the Cardinals score thirty points almost every game. They had no Kyler, no DeAndre, no A.J. Green. They still scored thirty points and at over four hundred yards. At four hundred thirty-seven yards against San Francisco's defense. But you do feel like if they're going to win a okay, maybe not. Maybe let me put it this a different way: if they're going to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be because of their defense. They're where they are right now, maybe because of the offense. But if they're going to go deep into the playoffs, it's going to be because of what this defense is doing. Is that fair? Because yeah. they're scoring. They're, they're where they are right now because of the offense. To win playoff games against good teams, it's going to be because of the defense. It's, You're going to have to play if you got to play Tampa, if you got to play Green Bay. The Rams. Look, look what they did defensively to Sanford. Look what they did defensively to to um, 
to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers did nothing, and now he didn't have his top three wide receivers. But Aaron Rodgers didn't throw for many yards. No. Look at Matthew Stafford against the Cardinals. He didn't have a good game against the Cardinals. He didn't do very much. Nope. They weren't able to get the ball to Cooper Cup the way they wanted the to. The Titans. So they'll go with the Titans. Yeah. What they did against Tennessee. So right? I ultimately think that maybe they are where they are right now, mainly on the heels of what their offense has done. Although, it's, of course, it's the defense, it's special teams, it's Matt Prater, it's coach, it's all of that stuff. But a little lean more towards the offense. But come playoff time, it's going to be the defense. I guess it's just, and we keep saying this. I guess it's just that the defense has been so much more of a pleasant surprise than the offense. I mean, the offense, when you're bringing in firepower like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, you're adding Zach or Chase Edmonds, you, you, you expect points. You expect numbers. The head okay, coach— what did they add to the defense? Hmm? What did they add to the defense? They added J.J. Watt to the defense. They added Zayvon Collins, who barely played because Marco of a Wilson. shoulder issue. They, they added Marco Wilson. They added—I um, guess technically they added Robert Alford. Right, and they didn't really have him. They added him. Um, they added the offense gets a lot more of the fanfare. Big names, yeah. There's some big names. They did add JJ Watt. That was a big name in free agency. But JJ's, you know, JJ's not here. Okay, JJ's not going to be. JJ's able to help not them walking right through out. that door. <laughs> no, he's not. Just you know, listen. I think JJ helped. I do. I think that getting JJ helped, sending that message helped. I think having him here. Uh, in the locker room, all of that stuff. I think that all played a factor in help. And now, look, you mentioned Jordan Phillips and what his his uh, his pro football focus grade was. Was second highest on the team? Third highest. I Third think, highest yeah. on the team. Excuse me. I mean, that's you know when guy goes guy like JJ Watt goes down, you need somebody to step up. You know, and and Marcus Golden's been stepping up, and Chandler had a sack, but Jordan Phillips, he's an important part to what they want to do defensively as well. He is, and he might end up being the key guy to kind of help. He, look, he's never going to replace J.J. Watt. I don't know if anybody's ever going to, in a singular fashion, replace J.J. Watt. But I do think that Jordan Phillips, given that he is still considered a very good football player who's had a very disappointing career since he signed the big contract here, has the best chance of them all to make up for that loss with the way he is capable of playing. Because we've seen Jordan Phillips at his very best play very, very well right before the Cardinals sign him. It's in there. He's capable of it. I just, this defense has been, and I, I think you're right. I The offense gets all the attention. The main reason for them being 8-1 and one might be more on the offense than the defense, but if they make a run in the postseason, it's probably more on the defense because they've, the numbers are just extraordinary. They've There have been eight games so far this season in which a team has had five or more sacks, and three or more takeaways in a game. The Cardinals are responsible for three of those eight games. The rest of the league combined has five. Has five of the eight. So the defense balls, it gets after it. They don't give up very many. I think they're, what, third in the NFL in points allowed? And then you take out some of the points the offense has given up or special teams has given up. I wonder how much they improved. With that, the rush defense was the one weak link, right? We always talked about the Cardinals are, you know, top one, the number one in this, number two in this, number three in this, the number five in this. The run defense was always like, eh, okay, it's not in the top ten. The run defense, they had to take a big jump after that San Francisco game. They shut them down. I'm looking real quick here. They had 11 carries for what was it, thirty something yards. I mean, they did nothing offensively on the ground. So I would think that they they took a little bit of a jump up on those run defense standings, which was the one weak link, apparently. Okay, I'm looking at ESPN's 2021 rankings for rushing yards allowed per game. I don't know what the Cardinals were ranked going in to the 49ers game. Okay, what are they now? 
middle of the road. Okay. Middle of the pack. Yeah. And, and they had to have taken a step up because of that game. Had with to have. the 49ers. Had to have. They had to have. They, the 49ers did nothing on the ground. Yeah. Had had to have taken a huge, huge step up. In Middle of the pack in amount of, in, in, in which which rushing category was that? I'm looking at Just rushing yards rushing? per game. Rushing yards per game. Rushing yards per game. I'm breaking it down per game. Total rushing yards allowed. Again, middle of the pack. Yeah, middle of the pack is what. Which that, is so ironic because they they score thirty something points almost every game. They're always they're they're ahead a lot of the times. They're ahead, you know, like in the San Francisco game, they couldn't run the ball because they had to pass it. But I guess then you go and you look at it like, okay, the Minnesota game was close, the Jacksonville game was close for a while. Those you know those teams were able to run the football. Uh, because the games were close. Usually when you've got a high-scoring offense like the Cardinals and they jump out by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, they get ahead of you, you abandon the running game, you go to a, to a predominantly passing attack. Okay, I'm looking at a more uh, a finer point on it. Rushing yards per game, the Cardinals are 18th in the NFL right now. Their defense is 18th. I, I, I don't know what they were going into the game, but I think they were in the high, high 20s going into the San Francisco game. They're now 18th. They're still 31st in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per play. Okay, so okay. so so a per play bait, but which suggests to me that because teams are falling behind the Arizona Cardinals, they have to abandon the run and throw the ball, which is obviously very much what happened against San Francisco because you're not running the ball as many times as you would be otherwise, yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of what that number tells me. You can text us your thoughts on the state of the Cardinals roster and this game coming up against the Panthers. The FanDuel text line is open at six twenty. 620. When we come back, the Phoenix Suns, a good stretch of basketball record-wise. Have they played a good stretch on the court? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Well, apparently we have our answer on who will be the starting quarterback this weekend for the Carolina Panthers. It's going to be P.J., right? It is going to be P.J. P.J. Walker. Per the Twitter account of Ian Rappaport, after two days of testing, exams revealed that Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold has a fractured scapula. The right shoulder injury Mm. will most likely lead to Darnold missing several weeks. P.J. Walker, his backup, will step in. All right. A fractured scapula? Now, tomorrow, all you need to know about P.J. Walker, the <laughs> former Temple quarterback. <laughs> um, I know he threw a couple interceptions last year against the Detroit Lions. I know he's like three for 15 so far this year. He's an, undra- he's he's an undrafted kid out of Temple, but that's where Rule was. Matt Rule was. He had him there at Temple. He did some good things, got him a bunch of bowl games and things like that, and um, he was on somebody else's practice squad for a few years, and then when he became available, Matt Rolls like that was my guy. That was my guy. That's my guy. I won some games with him at Temple when I was the coach there. And I want to go get my guy. Anybody saying, "Wait, Temple has a football program"? <laughs> I thought it was just basketball. Yeah, Temple has John a Chaney program. and Mark Macon. Yeah. Temple, it was good enough for Matt Rule to get a job at Baylor. I know, right? With what he did at Temple, so you must have been. Doing something right there. Yeah, it's a basketball school. So PJ Walker uh, gets the start, and this we kind of figured something like this was coming when the news came down about Matt Barkley being signed off of the Titans practice squad to go over to uh, the Carolina Panthers in this one. So it's going to be PJ Walker, and now and we're talk Suns here in a minute, I promise. But let's just kind of riff on this for a minute okay. here because it just happened. The the thing I wonder about this the most. Okay, PJ Walker is a real unproven commodity. Obviously, you're not going to want to game plan a whole bunch of throws for P.J. Walker, obviously. But Christian McCaffrey's just coming off of injury, 
and was really on a pitch count this last week against the Patriots. The the prudent thing would be to limit his touches again as you ease him back in, but in order for you to win this game, you might want to give him the ball 30-plus times. Is that responsible for Carolina to do that this week? Because it seems like if you want to win, you got to feed the ball to McCaffrey constantly. But he just got done missing the last three or four weeks with his injury, and he was on a pitch count last week. The prudent thing might be to continue to kind of ease him back in. I wonder what Matt Rule's going to do when it comes to McCaffrey. Well, he, did play, only... he did play this past week, so he got a little bit of the rust off against New England. He yeah. wasn't very, you know, very good, and they weren't very good. But he got a little bit of the rust off, so I would imagine his workload could increase a little bit. But no, I mean you you know how you we, you've been down this road before. You know this game plan's going to have a lot of bubble screens and you know dink and dunk passes and sure. swing it out to the running back and you know throw it to the tight end and stuff like that to to not you know not put him in a position where he's got to you know go down the field a whole lot. Yeah, I guess in normal circumstances you would say backup quarterback feed the ball to McCaffrey the whole game. Just just give him the ball the whole game and see what he can do. Normally, I think that's what the game plan would be in a situation like this. But yeah, but with, that's but, that, that's what the Cardinals' game plan is going to be too. We're going to stop Christian McCaffrey, sure. And 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 I don't, I just don't know if it's prudent for the Panthers to do that when he's coming off of an injury and he, you know, he played only half the time. So that's yeah, the news coming yeah, out of yeah. Carolina. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how they end up playing it, but it looks like it's going to be P.J. Walker who will be the starting quarterback for the Panthers. This week, listen. This is what the fans wanted to. They wanted Sam Donald benched. If it's by injury, it's by injury. They didn't want Sam Donald to play. I mean, this is not that this is Jake Plummer coming in for Kent Graham when the fans cheered Kent Graham's injury, but I guarantee a lot of those fans are very happy that Sam Donald is injured and not able to play. Yeah. All right. Let's talk the Suns. Yeah. Uh, if we could for a minute, they got the fifth straight win of this win streak last night. Six they and did. three on the season. They beat the Sacramento Kings. And yet, this is another one of those wins where it's kind of a yeah, but win. Yeah, they got the win, but... But they had to bring the starters back into the game with under five minutes left after they blew a 22-point lead that they had if they ended the third quarter. They had a great third quarter. They had a 14-0 run to start the third quarter. They played magnificent. And they came out and they started the second half with their bench guys. I mean, it was it was their bench. It was Cam Johnson. It was Abdul Nader. It was Cam Payne. It was Frank Kaminsky. And Landry Shamit, they started with their bench guys. They couldn't score a basket. The Suns had four baskets. They shot four of 19 from the field in the fourth quarter. They made four baskets. When the starters came back in, it was just under five minutes left in the game, and Monty was like, man, this is getting too close. And it was a 13-point game. It was still a 13-point game. The Suns were up. The starters come back in. You know how many baskets the starters scored from that point forward? Uno. One. And one. one basket. It was an alley-oop to Javel McGee. And that was the only basket that the starters scored in f- almost five minutes of play. And that 13-point lead dwindled down to three. Mm-hmm. The They had the ball. Sacramento had the ball down three with a chance to tie it. Had a chance to tie it. The ball, Seven seconds left. It was Sacramento ball down three. They screwed up the inbounds pass. They turned it over, and the Suns won the basketball game. But even that just goes to show you, like, those starters, when they came back, and you've got a great cut by Booker. I hope you can find it. It's a great cut. They like they were done. They they would they would they had checked out of that basketball game. Here is Devin Booker after the game talking about having to come back into the game when they thought it was over. I mean, it's a rare situation. It doesn't happen that often, but it's tough. Um, you're sitting over there. I always have the utmost respect for 
you know, bench players that come in after, you know, a first quarter, get in their first opportunity and, you know, the second half and been sitting over there for an hour or so. But, you know, it's something definitely starters aren't used to. Um, but it's it's a talent. It's a skill to be able to just go straight cold from the bench to to being locked in on the court. Is it more of a mental thing or a physical or both? Like what, what is I'd it? say more physical. You know, your your body, you kind of, you know, honestly, I, I, we shut down. You know, we, we thought it was over with and, you know, getting thrown back in there with four minutes left when other team has a lot of momentum. You know, it's a, it's a tough closeout. You start the quarter with a 22-point lead. Halfway through the quarter, you're up 15. You think it's over? You think it's over? I can, I can relax. I can, I can, I can relax. I can downshift now mm-hmm. into relax mode. And I they, could untie my the, sneakers. Yeah, there was even a shot of Devin Booker on the bench, and he was laughing, joking, had his sweatshirt on. He, he kind of looked like he was done. And then I, I, the image of him checking back into that game, sprinting to the scorer's table. I, I mean, and maybe he always does that. I've just never noticed it before. But, man, when Monty called on him, Devin Booker, like he had springs in his legs and just shot up right for the scorer's table because he knew he had to get back in there and physically warm his body back up again. And he couldn't. And, and he couldn't. Wasn't and, enough time. He struggled, and Chris struggled, mm-hmm. and the starters all struggled when they came back into the game. Thank goodness they reversed that blocking call on Devin Booker after review, and they and they deemed it a charge because it should have been. It could have been an and one if the original call stuck. Look, nobody's... Nobody's going to be bothered by the Suns and their five-game win streak. No one's going to be bothered by the fact that they're 6-3. and three. It's a schedule they should be doing this to, and they are. But, man, these little moments like the Pelicans game last weekend, or, or last week, I should say, or this game here against the Kings, it just makes you a little uncomfortable when you fall behind the Pelicans by 20 midway through the second quarter and you have to rally to win. Or you have a 22-point lead in the fourth against the Kings, and they're on the second night of a back-to-back, and you still barely win at the end of the basketball game. It's winning. It's just not comfortable winning the way we'd all like to see in moments like that. No, for the simple fact, and you brought it up yesterday, they got, what, four back-to-backs coming up? Yes. You want to rest the starters in the fourth quarter of a basketball game against the Sacramento Kings when you're up by 22. You want to give those guys that time off. You want to find a little time. Having to bring them back in the game is not, that's not convenient. That's not what you want to do. No. Listen, they've won the games, so you can look at it that way. At least they haven't lost the game. They're not losing to teams that they, they in these five-game stretch, they're not losing to teams that they should beat. Uh, and the schedule will get tougher, and they'll play better teams, and they'll be challenged, and we'll, we'll find out what they're made of. Tomorrow they're home against Portland. I'm just going to tell you right now, the team just sent out a message a little bit ago. They've already ruled out DeAndre Ayton for the game. He won't play. Landry Shamit, right foot contusion is doubtful for tomorrow's game against Portland. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so those are the two injuries. We know Aiton is out, and Landry Shamit is doubtful for the game. We feared that with all the turnover on the offensive line, it would hinder the Cardinals offensively. Believe it or not, that turnover on the offensive line has turned out to be one of their greatest strengths. We'll tell you how next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Yeah, Max, um, you know, he kind of battled through uh, the, the lingering injury that he had. Pew will be day-to-day. And as far as that group goes, uh, you know, it all starts with, with Coach Kugler and um, the rapport that he's developed in that room, the culture he, he has in that room. It, it's next man-up man mentality. And having a, a great leader and a great communicator like Rodney obviously helps when you have go, guys go down and get people pointing in the right direction. But, um, yeah, what, what a great 
effort by those guys. No matter who goes in, they continue to produce and, and move the football. That's Cliff Kingsbury yesterday talking about not only the injuries on the offensive line, the latest with Max Garcia re-injured his Achilles, re-aggravated his Achilles injury in the win against San Francisco, and then Justin Pugh, who had to leave that game very, very early in the contest with a calf injury, will presumably get some sort of an update on both of those guys tomorrow. But crediting Sean Kugler on the offensive line for how they've played, Gambo sent me a story today of the six different offensive line combinations the Cardinals have used so far this year. Normally, when you say something like that, it's doom. You know, sure. The Carolina Panthers are going to start their seventh offensive line combination this week against the Cardinals. Usually that's doom. Quarterbacks on pace to be sacked 60 times. Why? Well, they have seven different offensive line combinations. They can't keep their offensive. There's no continuity. There's no chemistry. You can't keep them together. You know, the Cardinals' main starting offensive line was DJ Humphreys at left tackle, Justin Pugh at left guard, Rodney Hudson at center, Josh Jones at right guard, and Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. They've only played three games together. The the, The Tennessee game in week one, the Minnesota game in week two, and San Francisco in week five. That's it. They've had seven, is it seven different changes, six different changes. Six different, six different offensive lines. On line. the offensive line. Yeah. And, and, and the, the key to the success of this team, because you look at the numbers, right? Cardinals offense, 15 in the NFL in yards per game, 16 yards per play, uh, their first, second, third, and all these different things. Cardinals offense is rolling. It's playing good. I think it's the, the I, I think it's the backups. I think it's the depth that they have because they've had to bring in Max Garcia and they've had to bring in Sean Harlow. And they've had to bring in these players that have come in, and Justin Murray. And these guys have all done a good job. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson's a great player. When Max Garcia had to play center, he was good. He was really good. The only negative we've had on the offensive line, the only negative in these last few weeks outside of injuries has been Josh Jones has had some struggles. He's had some struggles. Yes. And that showed because they didn't hesitate to put Max Garcia at right guard because Max is versatile enough to play center or guard. But because of Harlow, who's done a good job, because of Max Garcia, who's done a great job. Because of Murray, they've got enough guys that are interchangeable where they come in and you don't really feel like you're missing anything with these guys. No, I, I mean, Max Garcia was so good. So good. In, in fact, that when Rodney Hudson came back off of the injured list, uh, we were among the first, I think, to kind of advocate putting Max Garcia in at right guard for Josh Jones because of his struggles. Because Max had really shown it like... like how you didn't have that option with Rodney Hudson hurt because you had to have Max Garcia playing center. And one of the benefits to getting Hudson back was freeing Max Garcia up in case you wanted to make a change at right guard, you could. And sure enough, that's exactly where they were trending. Max Garcia started for Josh Jones in the game against the Niners, and it was only because Garcia re-aggravated the Achilles and they had to put Josh Jones back in there. It's funny because if you look at the the percentage of snap counts they've all played, the two guys on that offensive line who are over 90%, one of them's Josh Jones, and he's struggled as of late, so he might see his playing time go down if they have the ability to do so. DJ Humphreys has been the rock of that, man. It's I, nice to have your left tackle I, be the rock. And I know we give Rodney Hudson a lot of love yeah, well and a lot of attention. It is well-deserved. DJ Humphreys has been the steady rock of that offensive line all season. He has been out there almost, knock on wood, the entire year. He deserves a lot of credit for how he continues to evolve and mature and grow into a cornerstone franchise left tackle type player for the Cardinals. You 
barely hear his name. When you're watching a Cardinals game, you almost hardly ever notice DJ Humphreys. They hardly ever call penalties on him. It's very, and that's the best sign, the best trade an offensive lineman can have. I don't think they don't talk about you. I don't think any best left tackle list would have DJ Humphreys on it, but he's good. Like if you said who's the five best left tackle, I don't think he's going to get any probably credit not, for that. Probably not. Probably not. And maybe he's, he's not one of the five best, but he's good enough that he can be out there for ninety plus percent of the time and hardly be noticed for doing anything. No, more wrong. than half the teams in the league would take him as their starting oh, left tackle. Yeah, twenty teams in this league would take him as their starting left tackle. Yep. He's good. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a good teammate. He's a good guy. He's, he's been. A, he was a, not only was he a good uh, draft pick. Man, they got him on a cheap deal for a left tackle, too. Sure did. Like, that was a really good deal that they signed him to before the market kind of blew up. So, you know, the running game wouldn't be where it is without this offensive line. You said something about the amount of quarterback hits that the Cardinals have had. Is it 27 quarterback hits, which is the lowest in the NFL? Fewest in the NFL. That's pretty remarkable. That's pretty remarkable. And Colt McCoy got hit five times this week, so Kyler's only been hit 22 times as a starting quarterback. Yeah, and to be fair... Some of that, a lot of that, is Kyler and his ability to buy some time back there. No one's going to deny that or try to make the numbers say something that isn't a fact. I mean, Kyler Murray can buy himself a lot of time in the backfield, and some of that helps. But but this revolving door they've had, I mean, they've had their projected starting offensive line three games. And whether it's Justin Murray at right guard or Max Garcia at right guard or Josh Jones moving back in, and then Garcia at center, Sean Harlow at center. They've they've had to, out of necessity, do the mix and matching thing, and for most teams it would be disaster. And for the Cardinals, because of the quality depth they've been able to amass, it hasn't been, and that's something that DJ Humphreys talked about after the game. Yeah, that's that what I mean. Like that's 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 who we are as a team. You know what I mean? That 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 relentless, that that don't bat an eyelash, next man up. That's just. That's that's kind of something that we preach from the start, and, and it's, it's coming to fruition. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's easy to say it, and then when you see it, when it happens for us as a team, and those guys get get their opportunity and they step up, it's huge, man. It's so uh, there's this column I look at every single week on the Athletic, in which they hand out superlatives for the week that was, and the Cardinals were mentioned a bunch in it. One of the awards they gave out was they they give a list of all of the offensive linemen who didn't give up a single pressure in the past week's game, okay? And it's it's a fairly lengthy list, I mean, because it's the entire league, right? Here's every offensive lineman in the NFL that did not give up a pressure in Week 9. Four of the Cardinals' offensive linemen made that list this week. Wow. Four. Max Garcia, who wasn't out there the whole time, uh, he had 17 pass block snaps, didn't give up a pressure. Against the 49ers. DJ Humphreys, 30 pass block snaps, didn't give up a pressure. We're not talking about a sack. We're not talking about a hit, a uh, pressure. Sean Harlow filling in for he was good. Justin Pugh. 25 pass-blocking snaps. Didn't give up a pressure. Okay, if you went back to the first San Francisco game, weren't there a bunch of pressures I'd by have the to, 49ers? I'd have to go back and look. Like, that front seven did a good job. Like, that's what we raved about. The pre- Like, they got pressure up the middle. They got pressure from the outside. So think about that change right there, okay? Because in the first game, and I don't have the, I don't have the, I don't follow the those stats. I, I, man, I felt like they had a lot of pressure in that game. I felt like the first time against the, because we talked about it. Hey, what was the key to the 49ers, You know, holding the Cardinals down? Well, the pressure on the quarterback. They got pressure up the middle. They got pressure on the outside. That's what they did. So if 
you know, if I'm right, then that is a tremendous turnaround from the first time to the second time I, that they played. I him. appreciate you buying me time because I, I am looking here as quickly as I. No, possibly I know it's can. not easy to find, but I mean, I could, you know, listen, I got a handy dandy notebook, and in my notebook, that's one of the things I put down is that the 49ers' success was very much predicated on their ability to get, you know, to get, you know, to force Kyler out, to put pressure up the middle and pressure on the outside. Per Pro Football Focus, and that's the first one I went to. The San Francisco 49ers defense had 10 pressures that day. Okay, on that's, the Cardinals. This, okay, this is, I mean, that, that's a story right there. I, if I was a writer, I'd write a story. So you're saying that in we, the first time they played them, they had 10 pressures, and this time, what did they have this time? Two? Yeah, I'd have to. I, I but four, four, four offensive linemen four offensive did not give up any. give up a single one. I mean, I can't imagine that one guy gave up eight. Yeah. So, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be a really low. So think about that turnaround. To go from giving up 10 pressures to giving up whatever, is that two or three or one? Yeah. I mean, if four guys gave up none, I, I mean, you can't have it that can't many. can't be a very high number. Right. right, right. Yeah, it's been a remarkable job what they've done on the offensive line. Of course, when you're 8-1, and one, you're doing a lot of things remarkably, and that's the case with the cards. You can text us your thoughts on the cards and the FanDuel on, I should say, the FanDuel text line, 620-620. It's open for you right now. If you want to text us. We get a chance. We'll read the best ones on the air. The FanDuel text line is open for you at 620-620. It's the news of the day now when it comes to this Cardinals team. We now know who will play quarterback for the Panthers on Sunday. P.J. Walker is the guy. How does that change what the Cardinals are going to do? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. All right, it's time for the Vizzy Hard Seltzer. What's on tonight? The games we're going to watch this evening brought to you by Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C. Proud sponsor of your Arizona Diamondbacks. College basketball is on the slate tonight as ASU is beating Portland right now, 29-25. Game that started about an hour ago, about 45 minutes ago. It's currently being broadcast on ESPN 620 as we speak. About 30 seconds to go in the first half of this one. And ASU with a four-point lead with Bobby Hurley's remade basketball team making their debut yeah, tonight such against a Portland State. disappointment last year. With you know the oh, yeah. you know Bagley and Christopher and just the the, the feeling that they had uh, you know they had the team that was going to go really deep and they just it just didn't happen. Honestly, one of the biggest disappointments locally over the last couple of years was ASU basketball yeah, last year. The, I agree, it really was that there was so much anticipation that that was a team built to make a real real run in the tournament. And uh, one of the I, one of the bigger disappointments we've had in the last few years around here, regardless of sport, regardless, not just ASU, just in general, one of the biggest disappointments. Uh, NAU is also taking on uh, U of A tonight as we get the Tommy Lloyd debut. And I was as, gonna, yeah, I was going to say, and Remy Martin's on Kansas this year. People are tweeting how weird it is to see Remy Martin in a Kansas. Remy uniform. Martin is on Kansas. Yeah, he transferred and. I haven't had a chance to glimpse at this game much, but I would imagine it's really strange. He seeing is, Remy Martin in a Kansas uniform. Started the game, I believe he started the game. Um, doesn't have a field goal. Has two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, no points. They're beating Michigan State thirty-four, thirty-one. Uh, I don't have the minutes here, but he did start. He did start the game for them. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that is uh, what's on tonight, the games that we're going to watch. That's weird. It, it is weird. Remy yeah. Martin with Kansas. The top story of the day, let's circle back to our top story of the day as it relates to the Cardinals. We now know what the quarterback situation is 
for Carolina. It is going to be P.J. Walker, who is, we presume, going to get the start. That's because after two days of testing, Ian Rappaport was the first to report that after two days of testing, exams revealed that Sam Darnold has a fractured scapula. I believe it's the like the shoulder blade yes. bone, if I remember right. The right shoulder injury will most likely lead to Darnold missing several weeks. P.J. Walker, his backup, will step in. Um, the team believes, and this is from Joe Person, he's the beat writer who covers the team for The Athletic. He tweeted out, the team believes the injury occurred in the second quarter against New England this past weekend, so he played through it in the second half. Oh, that's good because that 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 the neck they could justify why he was so damn bad. Right. What about all the previous weeks, though? Well, the previous weeks he had a perfectly healthy scapula and he was still yeah. throwing a bunch of interceptions. Uh, but against the Patriots, he had a banged up scapula and he was throwing mm-hmm. it to the other guy too much. So uh, the the Panthers signed Matt Barkley off of the Titans practice squad. He's on the active roster. Presumably, he's the backup now. And P.J. Walker gets the start. Jacksonville beat the Buffalo Bills this week. Okay, so you got it as a coaching staff. Yeah, I think you can win this game with Christian Kirk as your quarterback if you're the Cardinals. That's how bad Carolina is. <laughs> I mean, I said that. I think you can. They're not a good football team. They're, they're just not a good football team. And you should win this game. And you should win it easily. And you should put up 30 points and 400 yards again. But... With that being said, you were down two scores to the Jag- Jaguars when you played them. The Jaguars just beat the Bills. There were a bunch of upsets this past. You just don't know. Yeah. Right? And you, you know, you don't want to. Here's what you don't want to do don't if you're the Cardinals. Team. Don't be that team. You don't want to give that game away. Yeah. You don't want to give that. Like the Rams lost to Tennessee. Okay. Tennessee's good. Cardinals lost to Green Bay. Okay. Gr- don't give them a game. Don't give the rest of the NFC a game. Amen. If you're going to lose. Lose to a good team. Don't don't give them because that's a gimme. That's a gimme. That's an oh my god. The Cardinals lost to that team. That, what a break for us. That's a two foot putt. Don't lip it out. Yeah, right? don't. It's, it's a you're standing over a two foot putt. Make the putt. You know, make the putt. And move on to the next hole. Don't because you're right because you don't. The Cowboys lose to the Broncos. Don't don't. And the Broncos are fine. They're not the as Broncos bad are, as Carolina. That's a gimme. That's a gimme. You're at home against the Denver Broncos. You should win that game if you're the Dallas Cowboys. You didn't. I think that game was down. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong on that one. Um, uh, let me go through the schedule here. Could you, could, could you accept losing a game at Seattle? Russell Wilson? Yes. Okay. Chicago? No. Rams? Yes. Lions? No. At home against the Colts? No. At the Cowboys? Yeah, I could accept losing And then Seattle one. again. So listen, if you lose to Seattle, okay, if you lose to Dallas on the road, okay, if you lose to the Rams, all right. But you can't like you can't give a, you can't give up a game against Carolina. No, you can't. You just can't give that game up. Nope. You have to win that game. And this is a, a situation the Cardinals have been in a couple times this year. You mentioned Jacksonville; they were down nineteen ten about midway through the third quarter. Even against the Texans at home, they ended up blowing them out. But man, that game got off to a real slow start. It was it was close for a little while. Yeah, it, it was down close like for a five nothing. I think after the first struggle, quarter. but then they blew them out. Then they then blew, they, them, out. They but, blew but, them out. But sometimes, as a coaching staff, you have to work extra hard for a moment like this because you don't want your guys showing up half-assing it for a game that they expect to win because Carolina's starting their backup quarterback. You're going to run into the same problem with the Lions in a couple of weeks. We'll have more on this tomorrow. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We will see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.